Good morning. Traditions. Let's talk about traditions. Got to be honest with you. Had a hard time this week because I am part of a generation that don't like traditions. Somehow we're always coming up with new things, new ideas, inventing stuff, and we just like doing things our way. We consider ourselves originals. In fact, when you ask us to do something the old way, young people call this the old school way, when you ask us to do something like this, we are not too excited. Traditions. We almost see it as a bad word. Traditions. See, my family, every time they get together, they have to celebrate with food. They can't do anything without food. So every time we celebrate a baptism, every time we celebrate a graduation, a wedding, you know, if somebody passes their class, somebody flunks their class, we celebrate with food. And we go to the same restaurant we've been going for years, El Torito Mexican Restaurant in La Sierra Avenue in Riverside. Same place. Now, I don't have anything against Mexican food. I mean, I love Mexican food, but I mean, come on, there's other restaurants, you know, we got Olive Garden, we got Jack in the Box, we even got Taco Bell, you know. Uh, we can change things around, but my family has this tradition. Every time we celebrate, we go to El Torito. One time I asked my parents, you know, how come we don't go somewhere else? How come we don't order pizza? They're like... Son, you don't know much. This is what we've been doing for years. So we'll continue going there. Don't you hate it? Tradition. It's something that we keep doing, something we've done in the past, something that we keep doing. And, and I personally have a hard time. Now, that's until I came to Calimesa. You guys are great. You guys are so passionate. You guys are loving you guys have so many ministries, but you guys have tons of traditions. And for a new guy who gets a job description, I mean, it's just hard to remember the names and hard to remember what I'm supposed to do, but it's even harder to understand all of your traditions. When I first came in, young people told me, hey, have you had a chance to go to the Christmas decoration? I'm like, no, why? Good luck. First Sunday of the month of December, I was here at 8 o'clock. I was still half asleep. I wasn't sure if I was dreaming, but I saw half of the church. Half of the church was here on Sunday at 8 a.m. It's crazy. And not only that, they were working. They were all happy. They were excited. They were bringing boxes from out of nowhere. They had like a million lights, like 20,000 Christmas trees. They had decorations all over the place. This place was transformed. It was better than Disneyland. This place looked like Christmas. I remember text messaging my wife and taking a couple pictures and saying, OMG, <laughs> these people love Christmas. <laughs> oh, my God, they love Christmas. I spoke to Mr. Wilde later on, and he told me that this is nothing. He's been helping out for years, and apparently things were a little bit more sophisticated. Traditions. 
I don't like him. But the more I spend time with you, the more I begin to question my own philosophy and my own feelings towards tradition. I spoke to uh, Scott Jones and before the holidays, and I asked him, you know, Scott, you're a young adult. Uh, what are your plans? You know, are you going to travel, go out with friends, have a party? He's like, no, I'm going home, spend time with my family. That's not a bad thing. I mean, it's a holiday after all. And I'm just like, well, what are you going to do there? Well, my family, I quote, my family and another family, the Henderson family, have celebrated New Year's together for over 20 years. He said, for the last 20 of those years, we have watched the same two movies to bring in the new year. At 8 p.m., we start with The Great Race, a 1965 Blake Edwards comedy. At around 10.45, we restock our snacks and begin Duck Soup, a 1933 Marx Brothers comedy. He said, Duck Soup ends at about 11.55, giving us about five minutes to open some Martinelli's and watch TV coverage of New Year's celebration talking about traditions you guys love traditions even our church secretary Robbie confessed to me that they have this tradition in which their family members they they bring a dish they they, they have to make it themselves they bring a dish to the to family members house and 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 and, and, and they bring along the dish twenty dollars and at the end of the meal, they, they taste all the, all, all the dishes, and, and they vote, and the winner gets bragging rights, and they, that's right, they get the jackpot. Well, this year, I'm happy to, to announce that our own secretary won the family contest. So next time you see her, ask her for a, a recipe of her famous apple pie, uh, because apparently it's so good that she won $200 in her family tradition. Traditions. According to the dictionary, a tradition is something that was handed down, some type of information, a belief, a, a, a custom. We all have them. Our country, our family, our churches. But there's something about young people that struggle with traditions. When I was getting ready for the sermon, I was studying, and I couldn't find anything positive to say about traditions. I told Chris, Pastor Chris, you, you got to help me out here. It's just like, you got to dig deeper. You got to take, take some time. You're going to find something good to say. And I'm like, no, really, I can't find anything good to say about traditions. She's like, go home and study again. You will find something great. The next day, I email her, I can't find something great. She's like, do you want to change the topic? At that time, I was like, no, it's kind of late. I really need to find something positive to say. And after speaking to some friends and some, some um, pastors, friends of mine, they, I came out with a couple things. I looked deep into the Bible, and I found out something really cool. The first thing I found out is that um, Jesus took part in traditions. 
Yes, believe it or not, in, in, in his culture, it was, it, was, it was a thing to do. They didn't have videotape. They didn't record. They didn't type and publish, you know, their stories. They just had the traditions of sitting down for meals and, and sharing what happened in the past, the way things did it. Uh, I mean, the way their grandparents and parents did it way, way, way back then. Jesus took part in traditions. In fact, if you look in the Bible, you're going to find out that even the last day, the last day of his ministry, he is celebrating a very famous tradition in Jewish culture, the Passover. This morning, I'll take you to the book of Luke chapter 22, verse 7. And I know this is a story that we usually read when, when we're in communion. Again, it became a tradition in, in, in the Adventist church, you know. Uh, but but, but let's, let's go outside of tradition today. Luke writes that, verse 7, Then came the day of the unliving bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. What do you want us to prepare for it? You know, the disciples, they didn't know anything. They're like, What do you want us to do, Jesus? He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. And say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. Verse 13. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. In verse 15, he said, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Notice he didn't say, okay, guys, here we go again. We've been doing it for years. All right, Peter, you sing the song. Uh, John, can you play the piano? All right, let's start the Passover. No, he said, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, his last day with his disciples, he decides to take part in tradition. He could have ordered pizza. He could have gone to claim jumpers. But he celebrated the Passover just like his parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents. In fact, this tradition dates back to the book of Exodus. Scholars believe it was somewhere about, you know, 1446 before Christ when this tradition was established. Now think about it. 1,500 years later, Jesus is still celebrating this tradition. If you don't mind this morning, I, I, you know, I want to take you to the book of Exodus so you can see what I'm talking about. When, when, when God really gave this tradition to the people of Israel, he gave it 
with, with something in mind. He, he had a, some type of uh, 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 meaning behind it. He wasn't just saying, you know, guys, you know, you guys have nothing to do. Let's come out with the Passover. No. You have to remember, for 430 years, the people of Israel, they, they were slaves. They had no, no choices. They had no rights. They had no passports. They had no holidays. They had no identity. And so God has to educate him. And he begins by giving them a tradition. Something that will give him identity, something that will help him remember some type of meaning. And if you look in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, you're going to find out how God gave instructions to Moses on how they should celebrate this tradition. If you, if you don't mind, I, I'm going to read it now. You know, all the ladies are having a good time. Guys, I'm sure you guys didn't cook, and uh, we're going to be going to a restaurant or something. Uh, so I think we have some time. Um, let's go to Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, where the Bible says that God told Moses and Aaron, this month is to be for you the first month. The first month of your year. This is it, guys, as a nation. This is the beginning. You get to have holidays. You get to have traditions. You get to have an identity. You get to have your own God. So pay attention. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family. One for each. They must share one with their nearest neighbor. Having taken into account the number of people they are, you are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be a year old male without defect. And you may take them from the sheep. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month. Basically, take care of them for four days. Keep them in your family. Keep them as part of the community. And on the fourth day, the whole community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lamb. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roast it over the fire. Heads, legs, inner parts, do not leave any of it till morning if some is left till morning you must burn it this is how you are to eat it with your clock tucked into your belt your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand eat it it is the lord's passover 1500 years later jesus and his disciples are still celebrating the passover now, you can say it's been 2,000 years, and in any Christian church you go to, you're going to find out a version of the Passover. We call it communion. Think about it. A tradition that has lasted over 3,000 and almost 500 years, and yet we celebrate. There must be something positive. Jesus took part in traditions even 1,500-year-old traditions. As I keep looking, I, I realize one thing. The problem is not the traditions. The problem is that we lose the meaning of these traditions. You know, for many of us who grew up, we're second, third generation Adventist Christians. 
Coming to church is something that we do. Going through baptism is something you do before you, you get your license. You know, kind of like dedicating to God before you go out in the freeway, in the real world. Service. Something people do when they don't have nothing else to do at home. I realize Jesus took part of traditions. But I also realize that as we take part of traditions, we must search for the meaning. And this is what's so powerful. This tradition that was given 1,500 years before Christ had a rich meaning with the theme of salvation all over. I mean, you know this. You know that the lamb, uh, it was not just a pet. It was not something they did because they were not vegetarians. The lamb represented Jesus Christ. And you know this because, you know, Paul in Corinthians has said, you know, Jesus is a Passover lamb. John, instead of calling John the Baptist, instead of calling Jesus, hey, cousin, hey, friend, he called him the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So this tradition had rich meaning. And the theme had to do with salvation, salvation of humanity. In fact, if you keep searching, you're going to find out that even Peter, Peter, when he thinks about Jesus Christ and he thinks about the traditions they had, this is what he said in 1 Peter 1.18. He says, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. It starts to click. The meaning behind the Passover. Jesus, salvation, God's love for humanity. It was all over. Jesus was not, was not doing something just to do it. He was following this tradition, rich in meaning. You know, church, it really doesn't matter how long we've been practicing this. If we don't have or we don't know the meaning, then it really doesn't matter. If you don't know what you're doing, the things you're doing, then it really doesn't matter. A couple of years ago, I, I had the opportunity to, to travel to the Czech Republic. And, 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 and I, it's a beautiful country. And I was in Prague and beautiful city. And the people are so amazing. But I had a problem. They didn't speak Spanish. So I didn't understand what they were saying. And, 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 and on, on Saturday, there was nowhere to go. So we went to church. And we sat at a church, and an Adventist church. And the pastor preached. And they sang. And I did not understand a single word. But at the end of the service, they, passed, they, they celebrated communion. They passed this, this huge cup from pew to pew. It was the same cup. It was no tiny cup. No, it was the same cup. And they passed it from pew to pew with a piece of bread. And church, I have to tell you, even though I didn't understand a single thing, I was able to look into that tradition, and I was able to find a message for, for that morning. The message, God loves the world so much that he gave his son. And every time we take the bread, every time we take the wine, we think about that. God's love for humanity. God's plan of salvation. Jesus took part of tradition. But Jesus also knew the meaning of those traditions. Now, there is no problem with traditions as long as we know the meaning. 
But if you look into the Gospels, you're going to find out that at times Jesus is speaking against religious leaders and against those who hold tradition as, 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 as doctrines. In fact, we just read Mark chapter 7, where Jesus is having a hard time with the disciples, um, I mean with the religious leaders, because the religious leaders are giving Jesus a hard time because the disciples are eating without washing their hands. And, and the story goes on saying that, he says in verse 6, you hypocrites. I said it was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. For they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. I'm reminded of a story of a religious leader in India who would gather every morning with his disciples to teach him about God and about the philosophy of life. And every time he would do that, the, his cat would come and play with the disciples. And he, this was so distracting that one day he decided to tie the cat to a pole. And he continued teaching. Every morning before class, he, he would tie the cat, go sit with the students, went over the teachings. One day, the priest or the religious leader died. The disciples didn't know what to do, so they begin to, 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 take, to take care of, of, of this community. And, and so they, they continue studying about God and about the philosophy of, of how to live a good life. And, and they continue to tie the cat to the pole. Eventually, the, the cat also died, and so the disciples were confused. They didn't have their religious leader. They didn't have a cat, so they went and bought another cat, and they again tied it to a pole. That cat died, and so they bought more cats, and they continued to tie them down. Eventually, they were writing and publishing books about the importance of tying a cat before worship. It might be a silly story, but that may be us if we lose the meaning of our beautiful Christian traditions. Jesus didn't have a problem with traditions. Jesus had a problem with people who place traditions higher than the meaning. So what can we take home this morning? Well, first of all, we want to challenge you to look into your own traditions, to ask questions, to seek for meaning, to find out why are we doing the things we're doing. It's not a bad thing as long as you look for answers. A wise teacher said, do not believe in anything simply because you have heard it. Do not believe in anything simply because it is spoken and rumored by many. Do not believe in anything simply because it is found written in your religious books. Do not believe in anything merely on the authority of your teachers and elders. Do not believe in traditions because they have been handed down for many generations. But after observation and analysis, when you find that anything agrees with reason and is conductive to the good and benefit of God and humanity, then accept it and live up to it. What a challenge, church, to go back to study our own traditions and to look for a meaning that goes with the message of God, God's love for humanity. It's our prayer 
that as we continue this series on choosing your faith, you will look into your own tradition and you will see that all traditions have the same meaning, a God who cares about humanity. I want to invite the youth to come up front as they continue to lead us in this worship. And also the deacons, um, if, if you could uh, uh, come and I want to let you know that uh, today's offering uh, is going for, for religious liberty. You are our God, and we pray to you this morning that all traditions will reflect a God of love. We pray that through our traditions we can show people that we love you and that we also love them. Be with us as we go home. In your name we pray. Amen.